Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we're created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve. Called to live commanded to love and commission to serve. And here at FCBC, we do it like this. We live, we love, and we serve. Man, I got to say that again. We live, we live, we live, we love broadly and deeply and recklessly, and we serve from the depth of our humanity. We deepen our humanity and expand our generosity through service. Live, love, and serve. Listen, beloved, just want to hold you just for a few moments this morning on this Sunday morning. I want to draw your attention to a familiar story, and I want to look at one particular scene in a familiar story. In the Gospel of John, the 11th chapter, want to read verses 21 through 26, John 11, verses 21 through 26, and I'll be reading from the Message Bible, John 21 through 26, and here's how it reads. Martha said, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask, God, he will give you. Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. You don't have to wait for the end. I am right now. Resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me, does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Come on, beloved, let's pray. God, we thank you. For every now and again, oh God, you give us access to the mysteries of life. When we lean in close enough, we can hear the whispers of eternity summoning us to live our best life. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this opportunity to enter this space. God, the abilities of your creation are astounding. It's through those gifts that imagination, 
that technology, we can reach across the world in an instant. Thank you, O God, for giving us an opportunity to expand the work, the mission, the ministry, the calling. Now, O God, in this time that is ours to share, continue, O God, to get the glory through our work. Lord, get the glory through our singing, our praise, our playing, our praying, our preaching. God, get the glory in all that we do. Help us to get out of the way so that we might decrease, so that you may increase. God, we love you. We thank you. And we honor you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen, beloved. Let me read that scripture again. And listen, I won't be long today. John 11, verses 21 through 26. And here's how it reads. Martha said, Master, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. You don't have to wait for the end. I am right now. Resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who, be who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Amen. Amen, beloved. You can just take your seats wherever you are in the world. Amen. Listen, beloved, I want to revisit this passage, one that I visited many, many years ago. with The same idea, the same theme, and I want to preach this morning from this thought. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Martha's deepest hopes and grandest desires would be in the infinite power and were in the infinite power of her friend, Jesus. She had come to believe in him and trust in him. In fact, the carpenter and her family had a special bond Martha and her sister Mary and her brother Lazarus. Lazarus in particular, the story says, had a special relationship, friendship with Jesus. And Martha's belief, Martha's hope, was that that relationship that they all shared, but the significance of the relationship that her brother shared with Jesus, would be able to bear a fruit that some would have considered impossible. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. He was dying. And so Martha sent a messenger to Jesus who was some few miles away from Bethany where she and her family lived. The message she sent to Jesus was this, the one whom you love, 
is sick. Please come and help him. Martha's belief was that Jesus could save her brother. Her thought was that he would probably die. And the only way to stop death from having its way with her brother was if their friend Jesus showed up. She knew firsthand the end, the capacity and the power and the possibility that abounded with the Galilean. This is why she sent for help. She believed in her heart that Jesus had the ability to help her brother restore him to health and wholeness to heal him. She had seen it. She had heard. She had known for herself what he could do. And if he could do it for anybody, surely he would do it for someone he loved. I love her appeal to Jesus. She did not send a message saying, my brother is ill. Nor did she say, Lazarus is sick, the one whom you love. It was as if she was making an appeal to his heart. The one whom you love is sick. Come. That was all she knew. The request was made. The message was sent. She did not know what transpired. Those of us who read the narrative can see that when Jesus got word of Lazarus being sick, the scripture says he waited two more days before he did anything. The disciples didn't want him to go back to Bethany because they knew that in Bethany, some of the religious leadership would be there. The last time they were in the vicinity, they wanted to kill him and they were fearful to go back and face what they thought could be death. And so the disciples are trying to talk him out of going back. And Jesus tells the disciples that our dear friend Lazarus is merely sleeping. They tell Jesus, well, if he's sleeping, why do we need to go? And Jesus was telling them, no, he's sick. But this sickness is not unto death. Something about this sickness would somehow bring glory to God. That was the belief that Jesus tells him. Something about this moment would somehow bring God glory. The disciples were even puzzled a little bit, didn't understand. But the key was Jesus did not move immediately. Love did not cause him to move immediately. Martha's request did not cause him to move immediately. He did not respond immediately in time of crisis. And even the appeal to his heart that the one whom he loved was sick did not move him. And the reason he did not move is because somehow what was perceived as a delay was connected to God's glory. Something was about to be revealed in this moment. But beloved, you and I know that because we read the story. We know how it will turn out. But if you put yourself in Martha's seat, you know none of this. All you know is that your brother is dying. And the one person you believe can help is seemingly slow at arriving. Can you imagine anguish, and even agony she must have felt. I thought he loved Lazarus. I thought he cared for him. As the hours passed and as the days would pass, her hope began to retreat. The sun began to set on her aspirations, her desires. 
Can you imagine what Martha must have felt looking at her brother fade into the shadow of death? And their friend never showed up. Have you ever been deeply disappointed in someone you believed in? Have you ever been let down by someone you hoped would be more than maybe they even thought about themselves? If you live long enough, you will know what it is to live with deep disappointment in people you had high expectations for only to be let down by reality. The longer you live, you will know what it is to desire things from people, even for people, that they may not desire for themselves, and you experience a sense of disappointment. And then the longer you live, the disappointments sometimes mount up and even deepen. And the thing you have to be careful of is that when disappointments mount up, they begin to change even your own disposition. You go from being a person who's experienced disappointments to becoming a pessimistic person because of the disappointments you've experienced. We know that well. Some of us have been optimists, and we've known what it is to always see the good and look for the good. But every now and again, life has a way of battering your optimism into bleak pessimism. And sometimes the inconsistencies of life or the fickleness of people have a way of causing us to lose hope a little bit at a time. Oh, I know you've been there. I know I've been there, where you feel the deep sting of being disappointed by people you felt in your heart would not let you down, and even deeper, could not let you down. The pain can be agonizing and brutal when you live with a deep disappointment because of being let down by someone you believe would always be there for you. Have you ever been there? Martha's heart was heavy on two fronts. Heavy because death was hovering and heavy because hope was fading. Her heart was being brutalized by emotions both steeped in grief the grief of lost love and the grief of lost hope. Oh, and as the days passed by, the losses mounted. Her brother died. And it wasn't just that he died. And it wasn't that she was alone because the record says that when Lazarus died, friends and people from the community came and mourned with her and wept with her. He died and she wasn't alone, but she still felt a little lonely because the one person she wanted to be there, not to support her in her grieving, but to prevent her mourning, did not show up. Scripture says that when he arrived, Jesus comes and enters Bethany. And Martha, with a heavy heart and tears streaming down her face, makes her way to the carpenter. Her brother has been in the tomb now for some 
four days, the closer you draw near the tomb, you could even smell the stench slightly. The stench of death is in the air. But the stench of hope dying is different than bodily death. Something was going on within her. And she ran out to meet him, not with hope, but with disappointment. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. That is the summation of her faith statement in that moment. Face with a tomb occupied by her dead brother and looking at what she thought was living hope. Her grief was miserable. If you had been here. I can't tell you how many times I've cried out in my own life asking God to prevent something from happening. I know I'm not the only one today. Have you ever cried out to God to stop something from happening? where you felt that you needed God's preventative power to work on your behalf? Stop the mounting pain or stop the impending doom. Have you ever just asked God to stop something from happening because you felt you were not ready? You could not handle it. It was too much. God, if you could just stop this from happening, if you could prevent this, if you could keep this back, hold this at bay, and we will invest mounting amounts of energy hoping that God can stop some things because we could not handle it. And her words were a description of the depth of her agony. If you had been here, my brother would not be dead if you had come sooner. And I don't know why you took your time. I don't know why you didn't come sooner. I thought you loved him, but surely my assumptions were wrong. Because if you loved him like I thought you loved him, you would have made your way here sooner. And now you come after the fact, after he's dead, after we've cried, after we've mourned, after he's been buried, after he's been in the tomb, after his body is decomposing, and now you show up if you had been here. My brother would not have died. And Jesus says the unthinkable. But it's not so much the unthinkable because when he responds, Martha misses the timing. He said, your brother will be raised. She is a practicing Jew. He is a Jew. They do believe that in the end of time, the resurrection will take place and all will rise. She said, I do believe, Lord, that in the end, my brother will rise. And, 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 and it's not that I don't believe, but, but I want to see him now, not later. I wish you would have been here. And then Jesus looks at his friend and his words cut through her tears. Martha, you will not have to wait till the end. Right now, I am resurrection and life. <sighs> the one who believes in me, though he or she dies, they will live. And everyone who lives believing in me 
does not ultimately die at all. Nothing about those words must have made sense to Martha. The one who believes in me will never die, and yet my brother trusted you and he's dead. The one who believes in believes in this moment will never face death ultimately, and yet my brother is dead. And he said, Martha, do you believe this? That question is at the heart of the gospel. Do you believe this? Can you believe in spite of what the evidence is pointing to? Can you trust when nothing experientially tells you that trusting makes sense? Do you believe this? Can you accept words that seem to be fixated in the realm of impossibility when all you can operate in is what is tangibly plausible in your life? Do you believe this? Do you believe in spite of the ceremony you had, in spite of the funeral, in spite of the procession, in spite of the burial, in spite of the tomb, in spite of the decomposition, do you believe in the resurrecting power of God? It is not just whether or not you think God can prevent some things, but do you believe God can turn some things around? For it is one thing for God to act to stop but it's one thing when God moves to bring back to life. And I say that to someone today who's watching because you may believe God can halt some things, but do you believe God can resuscitate some things that you thought were gone? That is the heart of the message. Do you believe that it can turn around for you right now while you feel as though you are in the pit of misery? Do you believe it can change? Right now, while you are sitting, wallowing in your own self-pity, do you believe it can change? Right now, while you're simply replaying the lyrics of negativity and deep agony, do you believe it can change? Right now, while you're sitting constantly rehearsing the same narrative in your head that is connected to depleting and diminishing feelings about yourself, do you believe it can change? When everything seems to be collapsing and nothing seems to be going right and fake friends have forsaken you and family does not understand you and people have retreated away from you and folks don't want to be around you, do you believe it can change? Do you believe it can turn around? What Jesus was asking his friend was, do you believe that all things are possible? Do you believe in infinite possibilities? You see, whether we know it or not, that belief is what will hold you in your darkest of midnights. That belief is what will sustain you when everything is collapsing around you. That belief will make you pray through clenched teeth in the most miserable of times. That belief will cause you to hold on to hope with a death grip believing that life can come back. 
that belief is at the heart of who we claim to be. And beloved, that's the question. Do you believe this? That in spite of the evidence, things will turn around. You see, during this Black History Month, I lean in and lean back and lean on the radical faith of my forebearers. The, the unmitigated tenacity of brutalized enslaved people. I know there are people right now politically who do not want to talk about the narratives that speak about the brutality of the American saga who do not want to be reminded that inhumanity was once part of the normalization of behavior in this country. I know there are people who don't want to hear, and I know there are some white people who can't handle the guilt knowing that somehow people who look like them were connected to the most cruel institution in the history of humanity. I know there are people who are trying to erase reality and replace it with illusions that make them feel better about themselves. I know that. And my ancestors, those who look like me and live like me, the only way they could survive that level of brutality is to believe that one day it will turn around. You cannot survive that without hope. You cannot live through that without hope. You cannot wake up every day looking at whips, chains, rape, murder, brutality, lynchings, decapitation, castration without hope. The only way you can survive is with hope. And if they could hold on to hope in the most cruel of moments, how dare you let hope go? How dare you forsake it because things are a little tough? Because somebody says something to you funny. Because somebody looked at you a certain way. You are stronger than that to be so fragile at the inhumanity of people who don't even understand the essence of your own humanity. No. You've got to believe it. People who believed in hope and knew that every seed of hope that was being planted by them would take root in children they would never get to meet. They die believing that their children or their grandchildren or their great-grandchildren or their great-great-grandchildren would one day walk free. The chains would no longer make sounds anymore. And we are those hopes. We are those dreams. We are those aspirations. Don't you ever forget the stock you come from. Do you believe that God can still resurrect the dead in you? For there are things in you that you may have left buried believing they'll never come alive again. And maybe this is the season for the resurrection that must take place within your life.
And the pivotal question is, do you believe this is your time and your season? You've been straining for a long time. You've been hoping for a long time. You've been waiting for a long time. But oh my God, now is the fullness of time. Now is your due season. Do you believe this? Because that belief will help you face every new day filled with unexpected and unanticipated challenges. Do you believe this? That faith will allow you to maintain a posture of possibility in an environment of destruction. Do you believe this? Your time and your season. You should feel the shifting in your spirit. The tide is turning. The season is changing. The awakening is happening. Bones are coming back together. Limbs are coming alive again. And the dawning of hope is happening right now. Not in the end right now do you believe this and if you do stop sending out invitations to your pity party if you do stop looking for sympathy when all you wanted and need is strength in the first place if you do now is your time lean into it Stand up in it and trust that the God who began this work in you shall bring it through to completion. Can I tell you how the old folks said it? God didn't bring me this far to leave me. And I don't feel no ways tired. I've come too far to turn back now. I'm ready. This is my debut season. I've been practicing on the backside of the mountain long enough. I'm ready to stand in the light of the sun that's been waiting for me to step in. This is your season. Do you feel it? The sun is whispering your name. Rivers have been echoing your sound. This is your season. And whether you know it or not, everything around you is standing on tiptoe for you to move into the spotlight. Everything. Everything. Has been waiting. For you, rivers have been flowing, waiting for you to stand in. Flowers have been blooming, singing praises of your awakening. Do you believe this? You do have a choice. Linger 
in the familiar or step into the unknown. But here's what you know. There's life outside of the tomb. And it is time for you because in your story is the fingerprint of God. And this is your season. Do you believe this? Sit right there. Feel, feel the Jordan calling you. Feel the presence of God moving. Hear the angels singing. Can you imagine that angels are jealous of you? because they don't know what redemption feels like. This is your season. Do you believe this? If you believe it, right where you are, there's only three words I need you to say. I am ready. I am ready. Because there are three words you are familiar with, but today you come out the tomb and they go in. Hear those words. I've been waiting over. I am ready. Lean in, beloved. Let's talk to God. God, we bless your name on today. You have given us a lifetime of experiences that have been designed to increase our faith. You've shown us at every turn that you have been present, that you know our name. And now, oh God, you're still speaking. And you're telling us right now what is and what was is covered by your love. You're speaking right now. And all we have to do is listen and stand in our position because this is a season. And if we don't know anything else, We should know that you are good and we are loved. Thank you, God. 
Thank you, God, for reminding us of that. It is due season. It is morning time. It is time to step out of the tomb and walk in the newness of life. And we are ready. We are ready. We love you, Lord. We honor you, God. And it is in your name we pray. And we say amen, amen, and amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.